All right. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 14. Acts 14. We're going to finish out Acts 14. I'm not going to get into any detail about it this morning. We'll talk about it next week, but what we're going to see is how the ending of Acts 14 sets us up, obviously, for Acts 15. Acts 15 is the Jerusalem Council. Now, I'm jumping ahead. Acts 14, verse 21. Are you there? If you're there, say word. If you're not, say hold up. I heard it. (laughs) I heard it. As you're turning there, I'm going to make this quick reminder. I love having kids in the sanctuary. They're going to be squirmy. They're going to giggle. They're probably going to cry. If they get too loud, I'll get louder. It's okay. Don't be distracted by it. All right? It's a blessing. All right. Now, if you're there, say word. If you're not there, say hold up. Fantastic. I heard it. Go ahead and stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. Verses 21 to 28. I'm excited about this text. Are you excited? You haven't read it yet, have you? 21 28. Verse 21. When they, Paul and Barnabas, when they had preached the gospel to that city, were in Derby, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them. And how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. Let's pray. Father God, we just pray that you would add a blessing upon your word this morning. Use me as you see fit. Help us to see your promises, your goodness, your sovereignty, your amazing self within this text, God. Help us to be encouraged by it. Help us to be edified by it. Help us to be strengthened by it. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so a little bit of background, all right? We've we've been in Acts 13 and 14. We've been looking at Paul's missionary journey, all right? They were commissioned in um, Antioch of Syria, okay? And they left there. They came down. They ended up preaching to Antioch and Pisidia. They preached in Iconium. They preached in Lystra, and they preached in Derbe. Now, we see... If we go back just quickly, Antioch and Pisidia, they started receiving threats of violence. In fact, I told y'all that was that very long sermon. They decided to get the women riled up and then that got the men riled up. I'm not insinuating anything. I don't want to see any emails. I will just delete them. All right. I'm not insinuating anything, but that's what they did. They got the women riled up, which got the men riled up and it caused problems for the apostles. Well, when they left... Antioch, they came into Iconium and preached the gospel there. Well, what happened there? They threatened to have them killed. 
So what did they do in Iconium? They left, just as they had left in Antioch, they left Iconium and came down to Lystra. Now when they came to Lystra, they preached the gospel. What happened to Paul in Lystra? Boy got stoned. All right, stoned so bad they thought he was dead. They dragged him out of the city. But what ends up happening to Paul? Dude gets up, dusts his shoulders off and walks right back into that city. You cannot keep Paul down. Well, after they left Lystra, they went to Derby, And as we see in 21, they preached the gospel in Derby and had made many disciples. Now, they made disciples in Lystra, in Iconium, and in Antioch. They had churches in each area. A church in each area has been planted. And so now we are at the tail end of this first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas. And, and, and what we see here is even as Paul has, they, they are tired. Paul is bruised and beaten up probably. There may even be some discouragement there because discouragement in ministry happens often. What do they do? They could easily just go home here. But instead they decide to retrace their footsteps to go back. Now, here's the main idea I want to get across to you in this morning's message. Here it is. The main idea is despite life's challenges, we are called to be devoted to Christ and his mission. Now, I use the word challenges here specifically. We've been we've been looking at persecution. We've been looking at opposition. We've been looking at struggles that they've been encountering in ministry threats on their life. But understand this, that. As believers, we're going to encounter many trials and tribulations within our lives. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We are dealing with a life's challenge. But despite life's challenges, we are called to be devoted to Christ and his mission. In other words, we don't stop. We don't stop. The church doesn't stop. So I've got three points for you this morning. Actually, I lied. I've got eight points for you this morning. Three. Number two has three subs. Number three has two subs. All right, so bear with me. Y'all ready? I'm ready. Caffeine's kicking in. Beware. I think Luther said one time, beware a caffeinated preacher. Did he say that? Church historian, did he say that? No? Okay. Despite life's challenges, we are called to be devoted to Christ and his mission. Point number one. Despite life's challenges, we are to be committed to the church of God. We are to be committed to the church of God. If you want to go more specific, we are to be committed to the local church of God. I'm not a big fan of this church hopping culture we have. This idea of, well, they sang a song I don't like, I'm going to go shop around. And then that's been one of the downsides of seeing churches on live stream now. We've been doing live stream before it was even cool. We've been doing it for three years. But the problem with live stream on Facebook is now you get those trailers of worship service. Man, I like that sanctuary. That's, look at that carpet. That church got a lot of lights. Check out that music. There's this idea of this chirp hopping culture of where there's something I don't like here. Let's go check something else out. Understand we are called to be committed to not just the church of God, but the local church. We are. Now understand there are reasons why we should leave a church 
If the pastor's not preaching from the Bible, you should leave the church. If the pastor's not preaching repentance, you should leave that church. If the pastor's not preaching holiness, you should leave that church. There's many reasons, mainly focused on preaching. But there are many reasons to leave. But lights and carpet and song choices, maybe some song choices I can, I can agree with. But just traditional, contemporary, whatever. I mean, this is church hopping culture. We're called to be committed. Now look at Paul and Barnabas. They have just gotten beaten up and bruised, mainly Paul. Paul stoned. I don't know what happened to Barnabas there. It doesn't say. He was probably just standing by and watching. But Paul was stoned, nearly dead, healed. We do, I do believe that was a miracle. Now, maybe not risen from the dead because it doesn't say he died, but he, he got up. That's a healing. That's, that's a miracle in and of itself. They're tired. They're exhausted. People are chasing them. People want them dead. I mean, we see at, the, at, at, at Lystra, people from Antioch, which was 100 miles from Lystra, and Iconium, which was 20 miles from Lystra, have come down in a mob to try and kill Paul. And here's the thing. If you, if you looked at the map, home is not far from where they are. But instead, they decide to turn on their heels and retrace their steps and go back and visit the churches that have been established to strengthen them, to encourage them, to appoint leaders. They are, they are retracing their steps. Why? Because they are committed to the church of God. Despite life's challenges, despite their tiredness, despite their exhaustion, despite the threat on their life. You hear me say that. Despite the threat on their life, they are headed back. Why? Because they are committed. Are you committed to the church? Are you? When you feel tired, do you still feel like coming? I don't sleep much on Saturday nights. I guess it's just too much excitement and nerves. Like Sunday morning is exciting for me. I get to preach. But it's also kind of nerve-wracking because I'm like, did I handle the text right? Do I need to go print a different sermon off? That was a joke. I don't do that. Do you feel tired? When you, do you still feel like coming? When you feel beat up and bruised? When you feel like you've been offended? When you feel like life has just hit you with some challenges? Do you still feel like coming? Do you still feel like discipleship is a priority? Do you still feel like sitting under the preaching of the Word of God is a priority? When you're struggling with that sin that's eating away at you. Understand, people who come to church are not perfect. I am behind this pulpit as a sinner saved by grace. I am not sinless. I am not perfect. And more than likely, I sinned before I came to church this morning. I need this probably more than you do. What about, are you committed to the, to the growth and the strength and the perseverance of the church, the bride of Christ? Are you committed to seeing people within the church grow? To be closer to Christ, to be more like Christ. Church, are you committed to the church? I, I don't know about you, but I needed today. I needed to be here this morning. Even though I'm the one preaching, I still needed to read the word. I need to be with you this morning. It's encouraging to me to be with you. 
It's encouraging to me to hear the word read and to hear the word preached and to, to sing songs that lift up God's name. That, that, that builds me up. In the kind of world that we live in, we need the church. We do. And the world needs the church. A.W. Tozer once said that a scared world needs a fearless church. We live in a scared world. But church needs to be a place where we are fearless because we are trusting in a holy God. This is Paul and Barnabas. They, they know that they are risking their lives going back to these churches. But they trust in a holy God. They are committed. They are devoted to Christ and his mission. They're headed back. I don't know if you've seen lately. There's a pastor up in Canada. Grace Life Edmonton. His name's James Coates. James was arrested I don't know if it was last week or the week before. James was arrested for holding services at his church. In Canada, the guidelines are you cannot have more than 10 people in a gathering, no matter how big your facility is. James Coates and his church felt that the people needed to hear the word of God. And through their devotion to the mission of God, they opened their doors. And church, through that, souls were saved. People were baptized. People were encouraged. But James, the pastor, the preacher, was arrested. And he's now awaiting trial. And we should be praying for him. And we should be praying for all the pastors across our nation and across the world that are having to battle this, this COVID pandemic of whether we should gather or not gather, how to handle the mask situation, how to deal with people's concerns and fears. We need to be praying. You need to be praying not just for me, but for all the pastors, because we are to be committed not just to the local church, but to the church as a whole. James Coates in prison for preaching the gospel. I'll tell you what, he's preaching the gospel today. In prison. That boy has started a prison ministry more than likely. You can't shut a pastor up if you've imprisoned him for the right reasons. You can't. He's going to share the gospel. Church, Christ has a commitment to the church. Christ is committed to us, his bride. He bled and died for her. He was crucified on that cross so that the church may live abundantly. John 10, 10. When he could have got himself down from the cross, when he could have just brushed it to the side, when he could have, as the son of God, decided not to give his life. Instead, John 13, 1, he loved them till the end. Church, Christ is committed to the church. And if anyone has committed, has expressed a commitment to the church, it is Christ. And because, because he loves the church, because he's committed to the church, because he would die for the church, then so should we. How much more Christ-like can we be than to be committed to his bride? So number one, we are to be committed to the church of God. We see Paul and Barnabas doing that. 
Verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city, to Derby, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Now look at verse 22. As they were there, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Not only did Paul and Barnabas express a commitment to the church of God, but number two, they cared for the people of God. They cared for the people of God. How do we see that? First, we see that by strengthening the souls. As they were going back through um, Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, they were strengthening the souls of the disciples. What does that mean? How do we strengthen the souls? How does a How does a pastor strengthen the souls? By preaching and teaching the word of God. Where else do we find our strength but from here? Where else are we encouraged to be strong and courageous than from when God tells us to be? Christ promises us at the end of the Great Commission in Matthew 28 that he will be with us until the very end. That he will never leave us. As we care for the people of God, we are called to strengthen the people of God. This is why it's so important to be in a church as you sit under the word of God. To sit under it, preach. And I'm not just talking about pastors who are using philosophical thoughts. Philosophy can be important when it comes to teaching scripture. It can be helpful. But if we're neglecting teaching the text, if we're neglecting teaching what the Word says, we're not strengthening you. We're setting you up for failure. So we see first that they had a priority of preaching and teaching the Word, strengthening the soul. Second, they were encouraging the disciples. They cared for the people of God by encouraging them. Now, how do you do that? Well, first, you got the preaching of the word of God. But the encouraging comes when you do life with people. Encouraging comes when you walk alongside of them. I'm thankful for the brothers I have in this church who walk alongside with me, who are an encouragement to me. Landon, Landon was one of those guys. Landon was my Barnabas. My son of encouragement. Always had my back. I'm thankful for men like that. We are called to walk alongside of each other. To encourage people to be holy and obedient. To encourage people to persevere and to keep going. This is one reason why I love being a small church pastor. I am not one of those pastors who is eager to have a mega church. That's too many people to deal with. I love having a small church pastor where I can know each and every single one of your names, where I can be a part of each and every single one of your life situations, where, where, where I can walk alongside of you to be an encouragement to you. I love that. I love that. That doesn't mean we shouldn't grow. I'm not saying go out and tell your friends, hey, you should really go to a good Bible-believing church, but don't come to ours. Our pastor thinks we're too big as it is. Don't be telling people that. I'm not saying that. 
But church, we are called to care for the people of God by encouraging the people of God. This is where discipleship comes in. It is. This is where discipleship comes in. We are called to make disciples. Not only are they encouraging the disciples. That, uh, another thing for the encouraging, they're giving them a warning. They're giving them a warning. In verse 22, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Church, we are going to suffer as Christians. Scripture says that more than otherwise. Scripture promises we will suffer. We see in 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So we need the encouragement from our brothers and sisters. We need people who are doing life together, who are walking alongside of each other. There is, there is a truth where it comes that there's strength in numbers. That strength comes that when I'm dealing with something, maybe a sin or a trial, I've got people I can go to who will encourage me, pray for me, show me scripture, maybe, maybe even convict me. We need that encouragement. So we see they're strengthening, they're encouraging. And number three under number two, C under number two, they're appointing. Who are they appointing? They're appointing elders in these churches. Now you've heard me say the word elders quite a few times, especially as we're going through the book of Acts. Elders are pastors. Okay? There's nothing weird about the term elder. I'm not talking about older people. I'm talking about pastors. They are appointing pastors. But do you hear what they're doing at the end of, or in, in verse 23? And when they had appointed elders for them in every church. Now you didn't hear them say an elder in every church. Elders, plural. Biblically, New Testament churches had a plurality of pastors. They had a plurality of elders where they would share the burden. They would share the teaching ministry. They would share the preaching ministry. They would share the roles of pastors within the church. For one, this is how pastors stayed faithful at churches. They didn't feel burnt out all the time because they shared that burden. But two, it was important to raise men up. These were, these were elders that were full-time, part-time, or even lay elders where they were doing it voluntarily. So understand me when I say that is a New Testament concept. It's not a Presbyterian concept. It is a New Testament church concept. They appointed elders. Why is this important? They, 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 were impo they were appointing leadership. Paul and Barnabas were appointing leadership so that when they left, there were pastors, elders who were there to oversee the church. Not so that Paul and Barnabas can shake their hands and walk away, but so that they can leave the church, the, the church entrusted to faithful men. This was important. Church, this is why I have a desire at Red Cross to raise up godly men. Men who feel called to preach and teach. And I'm thankful we are a church who have those men. We have men who feel that calling on their lives. 
Not every church can say that. I am blessed to see that. And I am, I am very encouraged to see the future of this church. The future of Red Cross. With leadership. With pastoral ministry. I'm excited to see what God's going to do here. They had a care for the people of God. Care by strengthening, by preaching the word. Care by encouraging, by providing discipleship. And care by appointing, by providing leadership. Thirdly. Not only did they, were they committed to the church of God, not only did they care for the people of God, but thirdly, they celebrated the works of God. They celebrated the works of God. Look at verse 24. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. So they've, they, they've left Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, and they're making their way back. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. And from there they sailed to Antioch. Now this is the Antioch from chapter 13 that they were commissioned from. This is not the Antioch in Pisidia. This is the Antioch in Syria. I know, right? There's a lot of Antiochs. This is the church they were commissioned from. Where they were sent out of. So they, get, they came back. Where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. Verse 27. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. Church, they celebrated the works of God. They didn't celebrate what Pastor Paul had done They didn't celebrate what Barnabas had done. They celebrated what God had done, firstly, through the apostles. So as they celebrated the works of God, they were celebrating the works that were done through the apostles. So church, any type of growth, any type of wins we have in this church, any any type of achievement that we can even see, any type of fruit... We see that it is done by the work of God. Souls that get saved under the preaching or or, or the teaching or discipleship ministry here, that is done by the work of God. People who accept a calling on their life to preach and teach or into missions, that is done by the work of God. People who are encouraged, that is done by the work of God. But it's done By the work of God through the people of God. They celebrated all that God had done through the apostles. Not only did they celebrate the work that God had done through the apostles, but they celebrated the work God had done for the kingdom. For the kingdom. God is not working through us to build the kingdom of Red Cross. God is not working through us to build my kingdom in ministry. God is working through us to build his kingdom. It's for his glory, his honor, his praise. Church, Christ, who cares for his people, who is committed to his people, 
gave himself as the Word made flesh. He gave himself so that we may have life abundantly. He gave himself so that we may be strengthened through his grace and presence. He gave himself so that through his grace he may call and set apart men to be elders to lead his church. Church, if Christ cares about the people of God and is committed to the church of God, we should be too. And as we are, we celebrate the works of God. And I can't tell you how often I talk to people. I meet with pastors often. And I get to share about the wonderful works God is doing here at Red Cross. I am blown away. I don't deserve to be a part of a church like this. But God has done amazing things here. People have been saved that you never thought would be saved. The word of God is being preached and men are being raised to teach and preach. Discipleship is becoming a priority. Missions has been a priority. The word has been a priority. God has done amazing things here at Red Cross and we should celebrate that. And we give him all the glory. It's not because of me. It's not because of our deacons. It's not because of our Sunday school teachers. It's all because of God working through us. So church, today is the day in which we must rekindle our devotion to the mission of Christ. Today is that day where, where we must rekindle our commitment to the church of God, our care for the people of God, and celebrate the works of God. Today is that day we do that because no matter life's challenges, no matter the trials, no matter the tribulations, no matter the opposition and the persecution, because church, it's coming. It's coming. I'm not even trying to be prophetic up here. Just watch the news. Opposition's coming. No matter when that happens, all of these things should only fuel our devotion to Christ and his mission. These things should help us be strengthened and encouraged by the fact that Christ has called us to be set apart. And we have a mission to accomplish. Paul and Barnabas, their mission isn't done. This task was, they finished that first mission journey, but they're about to set apart, they're about to set on the second one. So church, may may we... May we be able to sing the lyrics from In Christ Alone, where it says, No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. So church, where do you stand this morning? Do you stand in devotion to Christ and his mission? Or do you stand in devotion to your kingdom and to the kingdom of this world? Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful that we can see the text and we can be reminded that we need to have a devotion to your 
mission to your glory. So God, help us this morning. Help us to be reminded that we are to be committed to the church of God with the care for the people of God. And we are to celebrate your works, God. So Lord, help us as we come into a time of invitation, a time where we will close this service out. Help us, God, to rekindle that devotion. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.